This is Jennifer Gonzalez welcoming you to episode 34 of the Cult of Pedagogy podcast. In this episode, I'm going to help you survive starting a teaching job in the middle of the school year. A little over a year ago, I wrote a post called The Ultimate Guide to Starting a Teaching Job Mid-Year. As someone whose career also started in the middle of a school year, I wanted to help those who found themselves in the same position. I thought it would be helpful to record that same information in a podcast so teachers can listen on the go. If you're not currently starting a new job yourself, you will still find this information can help you welcome another teacher who is, because a lot of us have new teachers in our schools who are just getting started. This episode will be loaded up with advice, information, and resources. So once you've listened to it, go over to the blog post itself by going to cultofpedagogy.com slash pod and clicking episode 34. That'll take you right to the original post where you can find everything I've mentioned here in writing. Two things I'd like to mention before I get started. The first is to thank you if you have left an iTunes review for the show. I am currently at 93 reviews, which is just fantastic because every single one of those reviews helps to bring more listeners in and it helps the podcast become more visible in iTunes. If you haven't left a review and you are enjoying the podcast, I would be eternally grateful if you would go over to iTunes and just leave a rating and a review or even just a rating if you're really short on time. Secondly, I wanted to let you know about another way that you can access my other content. This podcast is just a small part of what I do. Uh, my website, Cult of Pedagogy, is just chock full of articles and book reviews and videos and other resources to help you improve your teaching. I post something new every week, and one of the best ways to stay on top of new posts and new resources is to subscribe to my mailing list. I send out one quick email per week. Uh, that links you to my latest post and usually one other link to some other resource from my archives or some announcement for maybe even a new product or something like that. So subscribing is free. To subscribe, just go to cultofpedagogy.com, click on the About tab on the top and choose Subscribe. And then all you have to do is enter your email address and you will be, you'll be on the list. Okay, let's get started with this information. I am going to be mostly reading this post, but I'm probably going to stop every once in a while to add extra commentary. So here we go, starting a teaching job in the middle of the school year. First things first, congratulations on your new teaching job. This is a big deal, an opportunity to make a significant difference for students whose year has been a bit unstable up to this point. And yet, a panic has probably set in. You won't have the time other teachers normally get to prepare their classrooms, set up procedures, and plan good lessons. You're jumping onto a fast-moving train, and it won't stop until the year is over. I started my first teaching job in January of 1996. The previous teacher, a first-timer herself, had decided teaching was not for her. And when I learned more about my schedule, I could see that she had her reasons. Three periods of sixth graders and one period of eighth graders, each one held in a different teacher's room during their planning period. I didn't have my own classroom, just a cart I wheeled from room to room and a small desk in the corner of a supply room. Ugh, I, I, I don't relish looking back on that year. It was blech. Anyway, I have definitely been where you are. 
So here's my advice to help you navigate the rest of the year with your sanity and your desire to teach fully intact. Step one, start with the right mindset. As you rush through these first few months, having a healthy mindset will help you prioritize, work effectively, and deal with the inevitable setbacks that will come with this position. So the first piece of this mindset is to set the bar low. <laughs> Trust me, the people in your building are thrilled to have a living, breathing human being filling the vacancy left by your predecessor. The fact that you're here means administrators don't have to spend more time interviewing, other teachers don't have to cover your class, and students don't have to suffer the unpredictability of a long series of subs. Unless you're a complete train wreck, or the school is staffed with exceptionally unreasonable people, your administrators and colleagues will be happy with you as long as you do two things. Number one, maintain reasonable order in your classroom, and number two, cover the basic curriculum. So cut yourself a lot of slack. Remind yourself every single day that what you're shooting for is good enough. Expect things to go wrong, and when they do, address them with those two basic goals in mind. Reasonable order, basic curriculum. This is not the year to master differentiation. This is not the year to excel with technology. This is not the year to design a gorgeous classroom. Teach your students something worthwhile every day and make sure they don't hurt each other and that will be enough for now. But pay attention to the ways you can improve. Right away, set up a next year file where you can deposit notes and ideas on the things you wanna do next year. These ideas can range from small decorative things you notice in other teachers' classrooms to instructional strategies you wanna try. You won't have time to implement most of them this year, but just keep track of them for later. The second piece of this mindset is ask for help. One of the biggest mistakes you can make as a new teacher is to pretend you've got everything under control. Your colleagues are a rich source of information and they want to help you, but most won't give you more than a quick, let me know if you need anything. They're busy or they're shy or they don't want to make you feel incompetent by being overly handholdy. It's up to you to seek out the help, to ask lots of questions, and tell someone when you're struggling. So, when the teacher across the hall pops her head into your room and asks how things are going, do not say fine. It's not fine, and you know it. This doesn't make you defective. It makes you normal. So ask the questions. Keep a sheet of paper on your desk or fold it inside your pocket and all day long be writing down the questions you need answers to. And then ask them. And if the answer doesn't make sense, or the person you ask isn't particularly helpful, ask someone else and avoid that person from now on. Don't worry about being annoying. You're new. You're supposed to be a little needy right now. So first two pieces of just the mindset shift are to set the bar low, ask for help. And the third part of, of the mindset is to expect surprises. Because you're showing up mid-year, people will forget to tell you things that would normally be included when orienting new staff. So just when you think you've got everything under control, something is gonna change. Like this, on your third day of teaching, someone may show up at your door to pull a student for special services. Apparently this happens every Thursday, but no one told you. Or this, right when you've gotten your students started on a great new activity, you hear a commotion in the hall. Everyone's on their way to the monthly pep rally, except you had no idea there was a pep rally because no one told you. 
Don't take these oversights personally or get overly rattled by the unexpected disruption. It's impossible for everyone to remember to tell you everything. And you can't ask about something if you're not even aware of its existence. Just get into the habit of shrugging stuff like this off. Without that ability, you'll find yourself looking for a new job before the year is over. So those are the three mindset shifts. Just get yourself into the right mindset mindset before you even get started. Okay, step two, do some reconnaissance. You have a lot to learn in a short period of time about your school and what your students have accomplished already this year. Here's a list of things you'll need to learn in the first few days. And I'm going to stop myself for just a second. I also have something that's an even more complete list. It's called the new teacher checklist, which you can link to from this post. Uh, and that is a, it's for any new teacher at the beginning of a school year, uh, things that you need to remember to learn and find out and all kinds of stuff. So that's uh, free for download. You just need to go to this post called to slash pod, click on episode 34. You'll go right to the post. Okay. But here's the stuff that you need to find out as a mid-year teacher. Here's some things that you need to make sure you find out right away about your school, your daily schedule, the procedure for taking and reporting attendance, where to go to the bathroom and when you can, where you can find basic classroom supplies and how you can order more, lunch options and procedures, both for your students and yourself, school rules, read the school rules and the discipline print plan, and then ask another teacher to tell you what they think are the most important things to know about it. Then have the same conversation with a different teacher. If the two teachers' interpretations of the discipline discipline plan differ, go to your administrator and do one more final check. I say this because although the discipline plan appears to be in black and white, every school has its own way of interpreting their plan And I know that I've taught in places where something looks like a hard and fast rule on paper, but then everybody says, oh, yeah, we don't really pay any attention to that. So I'd say read it and ask around a little bit, too. Another thing you need to find out about your school very early on is where to make copies and also what the protocol is. Do people generally allow you to cut in line if somebody's doing a long project so that you can just make one single copy? Um, Where are you supposed to put the left behind papers when you find them on the copy machine? Is there a place that people generally put those? Just find out kind of what the deal is with copying. Um, Also, emergency procedures. Find out what the plan is for fire drills, lockdowns, severe weather situations, and all of those other things. That's another thing that there may have been a schedule printed out at the beginning of the year that you didn't get. So just find out about those. Also, library information, particularly if you are an English language arts teacher or an all-inclusive elementary teacher. Find out what exactly the procedure is. I'd say go into the the media center or library, talk to the person in charge, find out what they're really picky about. And um, yeah, just, just reach out just so that they know that you're aware that you have stuff to learn. Okay, so that's what you need to learn about in terms of your school. Then also you need to learn some things about your curriculum. Get a copy of the standards and curriculum that apply to your assigned position, which seems obvious. I think that people would just hand that to you, but again, they're not always going to remember everything. Figure out where your students are and what has already been accomplished this year. If the former teacher is not available to tell you, because that would probably be your best source, your next best source of information is another teacher who teaches the same thing, So suppose you're a a seventh grade math teacher. There may be another seventh grade math teacher and they might have some idea of where 
the other teacher was. Um, and if no one knows, and even if other people do tell you, ask the students. Find out from them what they've already covered. They, they may immediately give you the, I don't know, but you may be able to write up a quick pre-assessment just to get some idea of where they are. But that's just an important thing for you to try to figure out over the first few weeks is what do they already know and where are they ready to go next? And it really, if the situation is a mess or if they've been taught by subs for the last few months, you might just have to pick something and go with it. And that's fine. Again, setting the bar low, teach them something valuable every day. And, you know, don't worry too much about getting it exactly right. Okay, so the first step, get your mind in the right place. The second step, do, do some basic recon of the school and of your curriculum. Step three, do a bare minimum classroom setup. You could drive yourself crazy trying to get your classroom perfect for your first day. <laughs> Baby, it is just not going to happen. You have more important things to do right now, so just make sure you have these things in place. First is a spot on the board for you to write the date, the day's agenda, and any homework that you'll assign. Try to keep this place consistent all year so students get into the habit of looking there for that information. If the previous teacher already has this in place, just use what they have for a little while. Uh, the second thing is a place for students to hand in papers if you are still a paper classroom. Some classrooms have already moved to paperless, so if that's the case, find out how students actually turn work in through that system. Uh, in your classroom also, you just need some basic supplies, something to write on the board with, whatever kind of a board it is. Um, just a couple of pens and some scratch paper for you to take notes to yourself. Extra pencils and paper for students who don't have their supplies and a box of tissues. <laughs> Make sure you have that too. Textbooks, workbooks, other curricular materials necessary for getting work done. And then a basic familiarity with how your classroom technology works. How to turn on and perform basic functions with the classroom projector, document cameras, interactive whiteboard. If there are student computers, make sure that somebody has walked you through how to actually get into those, how to log on, what passwords are necessary. That is something else to to get. So see how something like that is more important than hanging posters on the wall. You can get to that in week two or week three or whatever. Right now, it's important that the classroom can function. Okay, so number one is mindset. Number two is do some basic recon. Number three is just get your classroom basically set up so that it can operate. And then number four, and this is where you're actually starting to work with the students, establish classroom rules, consequences, and procedures. In the first few days, it is essential that you establish rules, consequences, and procedures. Because time is scarce, your goal right now should be to get something in place that works, even if it's not perfect. If the former teacher already has a system in place that you can live with, go with that. Ideally, learn these procedures from the teacher personally. If you're able to meet with that teacher, it's the best thing because then they can explain to you, you know, this is what I do when somebody talks out of turn. This is what I do when, you know, there's a fight in class. This is what I do when, you know, the students haven't brought their material. Sort of ask a bunch of what if questions and then you can even say to your students, we're just going to do what your last teacher did for a while. And then maybe once I've been here for a few weeks, we can, we can adjust. But that's probably, unless that person really didn't have it together at all, that's, that's a good option to go with. If their plan is not an option, your second choice would be to find another teacher in the building whose system you like well enough and just copy what they do. 
Be transparent about this with the teacher and your students. Just tell them you're going to use Mrs. Blank's system for now, and maybe you'll adjust it later on. Sometimes that's just nice to be able, it's a, it's another like don't reinvent the wheel thing. You're just going to use it for now. You can always go with something else later. If no other teacher's plan is available or you're being thrust into the classroom at the last minute and you have no idea what to do, here is a very basic structure. Um, here's a, a basic set of rules. <clears throat> and I adapted most of these from whole brain teaching. Number one, follow directions quickly. Number two, raise your hand for permission to speak. Number three, raise your hand for permission to leave your seat. Number four, keep your hands and feet to yourself. And number five, treat each other and our classroom with respect. It's just an, a broad, <laughs> a broad catch-all final rule. Okay, here are some consequences. Now, I'm going to admit this is a pretty old school kind of a consequence, this, but this is what, what I did for a few years and it worked. And I know people have got issues with it, but again, <laughs> good enough right now. What I did with my students, first offense, just gave a verbal warning. Second offense, put their name on the board. And then the third offense, I would put a little check by their name and it would be my choice of consequence, whether they had to be moved away from the rest of the class or sometimes I had them write sentences, which again, I know that's controversial, but the kids didn't want to do it. So it helped. Uh, or a parent phone call or something like that. So first verbal warning, second name on board, third, a check by the name, and then you get to decide on the consequence. And sometimes it helps to just say to the student, it's a teacher's choice. That way you are not tying yourself to any particular consequence. And that gives you a little bit of leeway to decide based on the situation. And then just set up some real basic daily procedures in the class. Uh, the first one would be to have something quiet for students to do the minute they walk in the door, like a warm-up or a bell ringer or even a journal activity. That can really, really help a lot in terms of giving you a few minutes just to kind of take attendance and deal with sort of like missing work types of housekeeping things and then sort of prepare yourself to actually start class. So that is a super essential thing, something for them to do when they come into class, even if it is as simple as bring a book to class, or here are some magazines. You just need to read quietly for the first five minutes. That is always valuable. Uh, another part of the daily procedures have the day's objectives written clearly in place, in a place where students can all see them so they know what we're actually doing today. Have students write down the daily agenda and homework as soon as they arrive and set up some sort of a system for checking that they've done it. This, again, is something that a lot of teachers do just so that you and the students are all on the same page. You all know what the plan is for today, and they've written it down. And then explain what students need to do if they have to sharpen their pencil, go to the bathroom, ask for help, or turn in papers. These are sort of four typical disruptions in the middle of a class. So getting all of that established should give you at least something that you can, again, you can function and you can kind of roll with that. All right, so let's just review really quickly. Number one, get your mind in the right place, good mindset, healthy mindset. Number two, just do some basic recon. Make sure you have the information you need about your school and your curriculum. Bare minimum classroom setup. Just get it functioning. And then just get some basic rules, consequences, and procedures in place so that uh, the students are not finding out how you operate, you know, um, as, day, as the days go on. Try to get that sort of set up at the beginning. Communicate them clearly to students. And then you can kind of move from there. You may also, if you're comfortable have a meeting with your students about the consequences and procedures, get their input on some things. 
that could really set up a nice relationship with them. If you have the confidence, if you feel like you need to establish a little bit more authority, you may want to hold off on that for a while and just go with, here are my rules, here are the consequences, and that's it. Uh, one of the things about students in this position is that they've been dealing with some serious instability. And so it's my personal belief that if I'm starting halfway through the year versus at the beginning, I may actually have to be a little bit more strict and regimented right off the bat because especially students who have had, oh, we've had two other teachers already this year who have left. I had someone write to me about that and they said they were going to be the third teacher that year and that the students had almost taken it as a point of pride, how many teachers they could run out of the building. If you're dealing with a situation like that, you may need to be more firm than you would be if you're starting fresh with a brand new class at the beginning of the year where it's all about, you know, getting to know each other and making them feel comfortable. And I think at this point, they do need to feel comfortable, but maybe not too comfortable because they need to get the message from you that you are here to stay, that you are not going to be abandoning them and that you have you've figured out exactly what your policies are and this is what you're going to stick to. So any way that you can communicate consistency in a kind, firm way, I think that over the course of a week or two, the kids will start to understand, okay, this is our teacher now. This is not just a space filler. So we can we can respect this person and kind of relax into it and maybe start behaving ourselves if they got into the habit of not behaving. Okay. Step number five, and this is the last one, build relationships. Although I listed this as a last step, it is one of the most important, even though it may not be the most urgent. It may be more urgent for you to find out where you can go to the bathroom <laughs> than to build uh, relationships with students and teachers, but it really is very, very important. Okay. Building relationships with students, coworkers, and parents is the key to making your work more satisfying in the rest of this year. So let's take this piece by piece. The first is students. Make building relationships with your students a top priority. Getting to know your students is the foundation for more effective classroom management, more personalized instruction, and greater student achievement. One way to build relationships quickly, especially if you have a lot of students, is to give them a getting to know you survey or questionnaire. Lots and lots of teachers do this, and there are tons and tons of them online that are available. If you don't already have one or you're not able to find one that you like, I do have one. Um, actually, I have six of them because I have them for all different age groups. I call them student inventories, and this is an editable form that you can give to students, and I've got them for K through 2, 3 through 5, 6 through 8, uh, 9 and 10, 11 and 12, and college <laughs> because I've changed the questions based on the age. For example, for the grade 11 and 12 one, I ask them questions about, do you have a job outside? Do you have a, a car that you drive to school in so that you can really get to know things about their transportation issues and their outside responsibilities? And, you know, in K through two, we're asking questions that have more to do with like bathroom issues and that sort of thing. So they're all adjusted for age. Once you have collected the information about your students and gotten to know them a little bit better, I, uh, I, I advise people to use a, a like a spreadsheet where you actually enter all of the information. And I have one of these too. It's called the deep data at a glance chart. Let's just imagine a basic chart where you've got the students' names down one side and across the top, you've got all these different categories. So you'd have like their birthday and their favorite food and 
um, you know, some family information. And you just fill that chart in so that at a glance, you can be checking up on, you know, oh, we're going to be talking about pets today. Let's see how many of our kids have pets. And we can, I can bring that up in class. Showing them that you have paid attention basically to the stuff on those forms is really, really helpful. And it can make such an impression on them. You know, oh, she knows that I just had a baby sister three weeks ago. That's, that's pretty great. Like, it just makes such a big difference. So there are links to both of these um, tools in, in the blog post, cultofpedagogy.com slash pod, and then go to episode 34. And you can link to both of those. So anyway, some sort of a system to collect information about your students, especially since this is the, the, middle of the year, there's got to be some sort of a system of collecting the information about the students and getting it organized. It's just a really fast way as opposed to saying, oh, we'll just get to know each other over the next couple of weeks. Some kids are super quiet and they're never going to tell you anything about themselves. So figure out some way to collect information on them. So building relationships with your students is important. Then you also want to be building a relationship with the other faculty and staff. Start by finding one or two positive, supportive teachers who seem to really love their jobs. I call these people marigolds. And if you have not read my marigold article, it's just called Find Your Marigold. If you just Google that, you will find it. But it's basically about how you need to be spending time with really positive people. And that'll have a tremendous influence on how you perceive your job and the kind of energy that you bring to it. So find these people in your school and spend a lot of time with them. When you are around somebody that makes you feel like crap, do not spend a lot of time with them. That's a really just great litmus test right there. Other key staff members to get friendly with are the school secretary, the librarian, the cafeteria staff, the technology coordinator, the guidance counselors, and the custodial staff. You're going to have a lot of questions for all of these people. So be sure to get off on the right foot by introducing yourself before problems arise. That way your first interaction with all of them is a positive one and not a complaint <laughs> or a, a problem. Meanwhile, be friendly with everyone else. Your new position is kind of an extended job interview. And if you prove yourself to be competent in the rest of this year, your chances of getting rehired in the following year are much greater. Here is a little trick that can help make all of this easier. Borrow a copy of last year's yearbook from somebody, another teacher probably, and make sure that you can keep it for a couple of months. Let them know that you're going to be using it as a reference. It's going to be an invaluable resource for matching faces to names for faculty and staff and even for students if they were in your school last year. It's just a, a big help for <laughs> figuring out who everybody is. Not to mention that it's just super impressive if you only met somebody one time, but then you look them up in the yearbook and the next time you see them, you can say hello to them by name and they just think you're great with names, but you actually have a little tool. Okay, the last set of people that you need to build relationships with, um, that set is parents. The parents are going to be really curious about you and most of them are going to be concerned about the disruption to their child's education and the change that this has created. This... If, if it, this happened with my own kid, I would just be so frustrated. But if I heard that, yes, they finally hired somebody, I would want to meet that person and I would want to find out. And I, and I would be so, so hopeful that finally now things are going to get stable and my kid is going to learn something. So 
I think the first thing you should do is send home a detailed letter to parents, including information about your background, your education, your experience, where you're from. If you're, this is your first teaching job, just say so. You don't have to make it sound like you have all this other experience that you don't have. They're just going to want to know a little bit about you. What is your philosophy of teaching? Share some personal information, like a photo of yourself, information about family, pets, hobbies, maybe your favorite TV shows, movies, food. Just help them get to know you as a regular person outside of just your teaching philosophy. Give them your contact information, an email address where they can contact you, and a phone number. And then give them a little information about what you need from them. Let them know that you're open to feedback and you're available for conferences when they request them or however you would prefer to be contacted. If you're not available for conferences, then don't say that. Before you send the letter home, though, ask your administrator to approve it. Two reasons for this. Number one, it will ensure that your letter doesn't contain anything your administrator wouldn't want you sending out. If you're a new teacher, you may not know exactly where the line is. And number two, the initiative will really impress your administrator. Since your future in this school may not be secure, you need to shine a spotlight on the good things you're doing. So just run it past your administrator and make sure that the letter looks good before you send it to parents. Once you've been teaching for about a month, send home another letter to let parents know how things are going, what changes you have made, and what's coming up. And that, that will just reinforce that good relationship. Okay, two final tips, and then we're done. These, are, these don't necessarily belong to any one category. The first one is don't engage in negative conversations about your predecessor. If students or coworkers want to share information about the teacher or teachers who came before you, go ahead and listen. But it's unprofessional to position yourself as the new and improved one in contrast to the one who left. It's just not great karma. Just think about how you would want people to talk about you after you left a job regardless of what the situation was. So just sort of resist that temptation to really dig into those conversations. Uh, I think it's perfectly fine to ask questions and, and learn maybe a little bit about what happened or maybe what, what went wrong. If something did go wrong, sometimes people just retire mid-year and nothing wrong happened. But sometimes it's, you know, it's tempting to have, you know, when a kid says, oh, we like you so much better than Mrs. Blah, blah, blah. It's just, you know, sometimes you can let your ego get a little bit out of control when you hear something like that. And it's just, I just don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's that healthy because I think students really need to see us as a unified front and professionals and respectful of each other. And so even if you heard that the teacher before you really uh, kind of messed things up and maybe wasn't very nice to the kids or was very disorganized or whatever, Really, you just focus on you doing a good job, not that you're doing such a better job than this other person. Okay, that's the first of the two final tips. The second of the two final tips is if your students are just hog wild and you can't get them under control, uh, take a look at my video on using a notebook to tame an out of control class. Um, I have a link to it, but I can just describe it very quickly. When I am in a situation with a class where things, this is especially super early on in my teaching, and it was just completely out of control and I was ready to cry or scream or I don't know what, throw something. One day I just figured out that I just needed to sit down and stop teaching and I pulled out a notebook and I just started writing. And what I was writing was, uh, I think at the time I was writing about how much I couldn't stand them and what an awful job it was, but I was just venting basically. But it completely stopped the students in their tracks because... I wasn't fighting them anymore, and they were just very curious about what I was writing down. Um, 
And so I started to use that strategy a little bit more, but I got more intentional about it. I started to actually write down the names of the students who were cooperating and it helped me to see the situation differently. Or sometimes I would just try to analyze exactly what was going on and it would help me to realize that it wasn't the entire class that was misbehaving. It was actually just like four or five kids. And just the act of stopping and writing calmed me down and helped me make smarter decisions. So I've got a video where I kind of talk a little bit more about that. And that's linked from here also. If you just scroll down in the article to where it says two final tips. But that's basically the strategy in, in a thing. When you're in a real panic, just sit down, get a notebook out and write. And the kids don't need to see what you're writing. All right. So those are my tips for starting a teaching job in the middle of the school year. I hope this helps. If you have more advice and you'd like to add to this, go to this blog post and add a comment because there already have been some good comments that have been added and other questions and that sort of thing. So, so come over to the post and add to that. Sometimes I find that with my blog posts, they get better and better month after month because people add more comments and they, it's just more knowledge and more experience to share. So again, to, uh, to get to all the links to these resources mentioned in this episode, go to cultofpedagogy.com slash pod and click on episode 34. Thanks for listening and have a great day. This podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. To learn more, visit edupodcastnetwork.com.